0: This podcast contains material and language that may be disturbing to some listeners. While not explicit, listener discretion is advised. David and Shane discuss their random paranormal adventures and stories. We dive into paranormal cases from the past and the present. We also talk about what got us into the paranormal, the highlights, and the scary moments while on our adventures. This is Shane, and you are listening to Bear River Paranormal Podcast. Hey everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to the BRP Podcast. This is our first ever episode talking about the paranormal, all things paranormal, and a little bit about ourselves. Now, if this is the first time you're tuning in, we have wanted to do this podcast for quite some time. However, if you throw a ball out in the field, you'll probably hit a podcast that talks about the paranormal. However, we want to set ourselves a little bit differently and talk about the cases equipment, ourselves, our background, personal experiences and so on and so forth. I've noticed that a lot of podcasts out there don't really go in depth about cases and some of the stuff that we run into on a investigation or a adventure. Most of them talk about just news articles and don't really talk about too much about their own team and everything and that's essentially what we're out to do is we want to reach out to our clientele and have them know us on a personal level. And so first off, let's introduce ourselves. My name is Shane and this is is David and this is Bear River Paranormal. Now this is our first episode. And we want you to get to know us on a semi-personal level before we start diving into all things paranormal. Now, David, let's go ahead and start with you.
1: All right. So, really what the idea that I wanted to do with this when I came to you with it was honestly just to... I have felt like I had all this information in me and listening to other podcasts out there. I find myself talking to myself a lot because everything that they were talking about, I was also getting input, but they obviously couldn't hear me. So that's when I came to you with this idea of like, Hey, let's, let's do a podcast and just talk about all the stuff that we go through. And that's pretty much the start of it. And hopefully it it lasts a while. But um, so my name's David, obviously I introduced myself at the beginning. And I'm an electrician, 23 years old, and I started this when I was 18. Uh, About you know, so I've been on this team for four almost five years now. And um, you wouldn't know, but I'm like what you call a hidden nerd. Um, On the surface, you know, I I don't look like it, but if you start diving into stuff uh, like Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings, I'm all up in the lore. I know a ton of stuff about that and. I mean, I don't, I play video games obviously, but um, when I'm not working, I usually, I'm just at home chilling, and then on the week- weekends on my spare time, I do, you know, ghost hunting, paranormal, whatever you want to call it, and that's that's pretty much it. I don't really do much else. I mean, occasionally I can go to like a concert here or there, and I love Comic-Con, so I go there a lot, but other than that, I don't, I don't really do much else, especially now, but that's neither here nor there, but you know, that that's me.
0: And my name is Shane, like I introduced myself at the beginning of the episode. Uh, Like David, I am a total nerd and slightly a geek. I enjoy building computers, working with programs, doing editing stuff. I play some games online, but mostly it's the mechanical aspect of everything, just tearing apart a computer and rebuilding it, but that also applies to my passion to vehicles as well. You know, I have a bunch of tools, I have a garage, I work in all my vehicles. If it gets to the point where I'm not experienced in this particular job that I'm doing, then, you know, I do the research and everything, and if it's something that I just don't have the tools or the knowledge or the know-how to do it, then I reach out to, to buddies of mine that are in the automotive field. Love to cook, cooking's like one of my passions. Mainly barbecuing, I've picked up smoking lately. Smoked a bunch of jerky, wings, stuff like that. And it's been been pretty good, just dipping my toes into that. But mainly it's grilling, cooking that I have passions for. 30 years old, work full time. I do technical support and customer support for an appliance company and i have a mechanical background as well so i've learned how to uh, repair appliances and tear them apart put them back together test them read wiring diagrams the whole nine yards but this is my biggest passion is the paranormal but it kind of ties in with everything else because you need a computer to do the paranormal especially doing editing and reviews and putting a podcast like we're doing now and so forth so Let's jump into what got us into the paranormal. Now, David, let's have you start on that topic.
1: All right. So, I mean, I started before I joined the team, I really had no full-on experiences with the paranormal. I mean, I'd watched like the shows and stuff with, with my family and stuff, that, that's about it. But circumstance happened that my mother, knew someone who was on a team, you know, she worked with them, and they just got talking, and my mom comes to me and says, hey, how would you like to go on, like, a ghost hunt, you know, and I was like, well, that sounds cool, sure, I'll give it a shot, you know. I end up getting in touch with you, and said, hey, why don't you come drive down and uh, meet me, and so I drive down to, you know, this Denny's, I think it was, show up, and I see, you know, and I, I knew who my mom's friend was, and then so she walks in and I see you and you sit down and proceeded to basically interview me. And then at the end of it said, how would you like to join the team? And I was like, uh, sure. <laughs> I didn't really know that's what was happening. I was expecting to like just go on a ghost hunt. And then I get an offer to to, to join a team that I wasn't prepared for. But for me, I'm like, I'll I'll do anything once. So <laughs> let's, let, mm. I'll try it. And that's pretty much what happened, and then just what leads up to my very first investigation, but I'm not sure if you want me to get into that right now or not.
0: Yeah, we'll get to that here on another episode. We mainly just wanted to speak, talk about what got us into the paranormal and everything, and then we go from there. But cue in, though. The first uh, investigation that you had was a pretty intense one for your first one ever, so I will give you that one. But that's going to be for another episode and that one's going to be a good episode as well
1: we're well, looking at it now my first investigation compared to the ones i've had now is actually very very mild <laughs> but right. we got some good stuff
0: but for being a greenhorn though man that w- that was trial by fire and you did really well
1: well the funny part about that though not to get too much into it but our very first investigation it was just with you there was no one else on our team that went so here am I this 18 year old with this stranger I just barely met in a basement of a building by ourselves in the dark right doesn't sound (laughs) like a a good scenario there I, I, I didn't think that through but luckily everything was fine
0: yeah everything turned out well and we got some good evidence from that investigation so to round that off what got me into the paranormal so I have a pretty lengthy background as a child, I've always had paranormal occurrences happening. I was a very troubled youth growing up. It didn't come out until I was about, I'd say, 12, 13 years old, around there, is when I found out the reason why I was uh, being a juvenile delinquent it was because I was being influenced by a entity or entities that were causing chaos within my life found out I had a portal underneath my bed that was allowing spirits to jump in and out of cause issues within myself and with my family and everything but my younger years I would stay at my grandparents house and I would hear footsteps you know walking up and down the stairs when no one stayed upstairs my grandparents stayed on the main level there was an upstairs but it was just mainly for storage the way that they built the house was actually a cabin and then they just built around it so they walled in the original log walls and everything and put put up sheetrock in the whole nine yards there's still an actual attic right above the living room where the cabin sits at one point in time if I remember correctly my grandma said there was 17 or 18 people living in that cabin at one point in time which wasn't uncommon in the area that we live in now david's in ogden and i'm up in preston idaho which is not too far away from each other it's about an hour hour and a half drive but we live in the land of the lds and the lds love to have big families don't know about any of the other religions across the united states but Primarily with the LDS religion, you know, big families are a common thing around here, so it wasn't uncommon to have upwards to 16 to 18 people living in one house at one given time. In fact, one of my science teachers from back in middle school that was, you know, ages ago, I think in total, I think they had like 12 or 14 kids. So that does sound a little bit extreme, but if you understand the LDS culture and the religion, it would make sense to you. Now, back to when I was hearing those footsteps, it was, I wouldn't say a constant thing, but it would pop up. You know, I would be having to sleep over and laying, you know, sleeping in the living room, and you'd hear the footsteps going up and down the stairs and thinking that it was grandpa or anything. And I asked him the next day, I was like, what are you doing at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning walking up and down the stairs? And he's like, oh, I was asleep. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, you're the closest one to the stairs, so I assumed it was probably you, because I didn't see Grandma come out of her room, but that's later on, that's when I found out it was, it, was, it was essentially one of the spirits that stays in that particular house. I assume it's one of the original people that lived on that property, but I haven't really dived too much into it. But that was my first toe-dipping experience for the the paranormal and then obviously as time goes on i've had more and more experiences back to talking about the portal underneath my bed and everything so my ex-stepmother and my dad at the time had a lady come over and do a thorough cleansing and do a cleansing on me and everything and at the end of the cleansing the lady told me that if this worked there will be a bunch of crows on your front lawn the next morning well i was laying in bed And my ex-stepmother and my dad came and got me out of bed and said, go look out the front window. So I did. And I ain't kidding you. There was a bunch of crows in the front yard. Back then, I had a camera, but it was... This kind of dates me a little bit. Digital cameras were becoming the... hot new item back in the day when this happened and so i had a small little i think it was like a six megapixel digital camera or whatever it was just a little cheapy thing and i took pictures of it but i lost those pictures so i have no way to find those pictures that i took but it's etched in my in my memory probably until i die watching that sea of crows just sitting in the front yard and that piqued my interest for the paranormal. Now, fast forward a few years later, Ghost Hunters came out, the original OG TV series, Ghost Hunters. They came out and I started watching that. That's what really got me interested in it, but didn't know of anybody that actually did this kind of thing around here. So, as I progressed into adulthood and out on my own and started working at a bar, and started doing pool leagues and I met up with this guy that does the paranormal and I said, "Well, I have a, a interest in this. I've experienced this kind of stuff, you know, so on and so forth." And he's like, "Well, let's give you a shot. Let's have you come on a couple of investigations." So they added me to the team and I did some investigations, which was a great experience. I mean, we went to quite a few locations and particularly two of those locations no one can get access to anymore. So that was, that was an honor to be able to do that, but things didn't go the way that it should have and I ended up being removed from that particular team and so that's when I decided to to start my own group. Because that burning passion inside me just kept on growing on every investigation that I went with them. I was extremely interested, like I, I want to understand this, like obviously there's spirits and ghosts around us, but I want to know more. Like that's the, uh, that's the part of my brain that is beneficial, but then can be a hindrance at the same time, because it's like I focus on one thing and I just want to learn that one thing, you know? But here I am now, almost 10 years later, running a successful group, having five-star reviews, helping out clients, gathering more and more knowledge by the day on every case, you know, watching the people that I look up to when I started in the paranormal field essentially up and quit and not do the paranormal anymore which is saddening but that's that's a story for another episode.
1: Well we've come a long way since we even I started so even before you and I met you but uh, we have definitely have grown a lot and I even remember you know first couple years you always said that you were as sensitive as a brick and now you're pretty in tuned with you know your spiritual side
0: Mm-hmm. definitely and that's the evolution of the paranormal you know it's everybody is sensitive to a degree it just it's the matter of tapping into it and it took up until someone that saw that I was that I have abilities you know and helped me open those up and develop those now it's still working progress obviously but it's like what david said when he first started the group i always told people i'm about as sensitive as a brick i rely on equipment to be able to give me the answers and now it's i rely on my body and the equipment now body first then equipment
1: equipment's more of a validation for what you're feeling
0: Yep. yep but then there's also the case where you know if we're doing a residential we obviously have to present something if we're That they're allowing us into their house and everything. And that's the biggest beneficial of the equipment is, you know.
1: Yeah, because we don't just go in and say, you know, oh, I'm feeling this. This is it for sure. And they have to believe us on our word because, you know, no one's going to be like, oh, you're you're just crazy. But when we show them actual, you know, stuff we're getting on equipment that's going off and saying, you can't explain why that's going off. It leads more and more to what we're feeling. And they start believing it because we're backing it up with evidence exactly
0: So it's it's a good visual for the clients to be able to see like this is what I was feeling But this is what we caught it kind of correlates with each other You know, we believe that this is evidence. This is this is what we captured now when I started my group Bear River Paranormal a Lot of people don't realize that there was a massacre that happened just north of Preston called the Bear River Massacre it was, it was when the LDS religion basically fought the natives. I believe it was the Shoshone that was up just north of Preston, came in early morning while the men were out hunting and slaughtered women and children and ran after when the, their task was complete so that way the males when they came back they came back to essentially a massacre which is the most unfortunate thing that could happen to her to the natives of this land. But, you know, history is history and there's nothing we can do about that, unfortunately. But I wanted to honor, you know, the natives and everything and respect them at the same time, on top of wanting to do the paranormal. And I figured Bear River Paranormal would be the most appropriate name for my group. And essentially, I grew up in that area. I couldn't tell you how many times I've been down on that land or around that land. You know, because I've worked down there, working for another company. I've had friends that lived down there at one point in time before they moved. So it just makes sense. Though, but because as a group, we—I don't think
1: we've ever been there as a group to no, like full-on investigate it, which is interesting because
0: it's. That's the thing with natives and with particularly the religion that's around here is I've been trying to figure out exactly who owns that land but I also want to go and get permission from the natives first before you know yeah. we do an investigation on that land it's it's it's, it's a double edged sword you know obviously the the natives believe in in the afterlife and everything but each I want to say ethnicity tends to worship it a little bit differently, you know obviously they don't want us you know if they don't want us to investigate it that we'd have to respect their their wishes oh, you know sure. Cause if I remember correctly, I believe the natives certain natives anyway they they worship the dead and out of respect they don't they don't like it when people you know mess with that so you have to you have to respect it you know and then that, then that's another episode too that we can talk about is teams that don't respect other people's wishes particularly landowners you know different yeah. cultures stuff like that
1: well, yeah because that's one thing we definitely don't encourage I mean we definitely want permission we don't trespass and do you know that kind of stuff on the sly. We definitely like to be upfront and if some business owners, for example, cause we do a lot of businesses, you know, have their ways where like, all oh, this stuff doesn't exist and you just have to go,
0: okay, have a nice day. Yeah. You can't press on it. You can't force them to do it. And, and essentially you shouldn't trespass. It gives you a bad name. It gives your group a bad name and people hear about it, you know, especially in this day and age where Facebook is relevant. Twitter is relevant. Instagram is relevant. Uh, just general Google is relevant. I mean, if, if I were to go out and trespass onto someone's property, someone would be able to find it on a Google search because I would have a record. You know, there would be a news article or some sort of a record about an arrest. You know, and that's that's something that that you should never do. You know, you should never trespass or anything like that. But that's But that's for another episode. But essentially, I started Bear River Paranormal because I have a burning passion for the paranormal. With the amount of history that I have in the paranormal before I even dove into this, you know, it made sense. So, I hired my first group of people, took them out on their first investigation, you know. I was green at the time as well as being a new leader and still being green in the paranormal. So, I was learning as everyone else was learning as well. Had my issues... We've all had our issues, Uh, we've had some rocky starts, some bumpy roads, but we've worked through them and here we are, we're still active today, almost nine years later since I started the group. So I set out to start a group with different backgrounds. Now when I first started this, I was completely scientific driven. So I wanted to make sure that I had the proper equipment for this. I wanted to get like-minded individuals from different backgrounds on this particular team. Now, when I started the team, I did have one medium join. Now, back then, I was skeptical about mediums. I thought they were hogwash. I thought they were all fake. Now, here I am, almost 10 years later, that's not the case. But the basis of my group was to be scientific, and it's still the basis now. It's just we've became more open to a lot of different things. But the investigations went well with the individuals that I had on my team and everything. There was a little bit of falling out. I'll go over that on a different episode. But I had to restructure and restart my whole entire team. Which leads to the team that I have now. Which, the background on most of them, you know, some of them are scientific-driven, some of them are mediums, and some of them swing both ways. Some of them are a little more sensitive than others, and some of them are more scientific-driven than others. But we have two mediums. I don't consider myself a medium at all. I consider myself as a sensitive I consider David as sensitive but he's also scientific driven as I am and there's a few others that have sensitivities but they're also scientific driven as well.
1: Well I had the same thing with you at the beginning because mm-hmm. I didn't have any, I, I used equipment to validate for me because to me i didn't know if this was real or not when i started that's why yeah. when i first started i was like yeah i need to get tons of equipment because like i mean i can h- maybe hear some stuff but like i can't see or feel anything i'm like i need to find a way to prove to myself yeah. you know and i'm still kind of i mean i believe for sure now because i've had too much happen to me that i can't explain but i am still hoping for that moment where i can fully see something where it looks like a person and they just disappear like i'm still i'm still looking for that but i mean one one day i'm sure
0: yeah and which completely makes sense i mean everybody has an amount of skepticism to this field you know because it's a very not understood field obviously there's a crap ton of paranormal teams out there people that are into the paranormal however it's still not understood it's not as studied as you know bacteria or anything like that in the scientific world so we're we're still trying to learn and weed our weed our way through it and there's always going to be an amount of skepticism especially when you start getting into you know there's obviously more than just angels and demons there's elementals there's wraiths there's skinwalkers there's aliens there's squatches there's you know anything out there you know now some of them might sound a little more fake than others trust me i i still have my skepticism on some of the things you know we can't be the only living beings in this universe just saying but seeing a 8 foot 9 foot tall hairy beast in the woods Until that day happens, I'm still kind of skeptical about that, but that's a topic for another day. So essentially what I set out to do for my team is to research the paranormal, investigate the paranormal, and also help out clients as well, because there's the good things about the paranormal and then there's the bad things about the paranormal. And we tend to focus about the bad things about the paranormal, particularly when someone's living in a house and they're being terrorized by an unseen entity and that's what we wanted to specialize on and that's the main basis for the group is residentials and and scientific studies now obviously as years have gone by we kind of branched off a little bit we also do businesses we also do urban legends we do open areas like Hobbs Hollow for example is a, is a location that's free to anybody to go to and we like going and doing that one, because we've got some stellar evidence from that particular location, and so on and so forth. I have yet to go squatching or UFO hunting, but I've been to some places where it, it would be a stellar location to go UFO watching, and from my understanding, from talking to a few certain people, they've seen, you know, random things. Stop and then shoot across the sky, you know. So that's that's an adventure I would like to experience at least once in my life, even though my passion is spirits, ghosts, entities. Going UFO watching would be fun for, like, one or two trips. What do you think, David?
1: Yeah, I mean, you can almost combine all three at some point because you can go we've been to places that are outside i mean you can go looking for spirits and then also in the back of your mind looking for sasquatch and then occasionally looking up in the sky and see if you see a ufo i mean they're all yeah. you can do all three at once just you know because if you're just looking for sasquatch that doesn't mean ghosts aren't going to still be around you ghosts are around us all the time and then you never know when possible aliens could you you know come to
0: yeah, definitely I mean, essentially the basis of the word paranormal denoting events or phenomena such as uh, telekinesis or clairvoyance that are beyond the scope of normal scientific understanding that's an example of the paranormal essentially, UFO hunting Sasquatch ghosts it's all based under paranormal because it's an unexplained phenomenon you know that's why UFO, unidentified aircraft, people don't know exactly what they are. That's why they easily tag them as UFO. But essentially, it all boils down to everything is paranormal. It doesn't have to be just ghosts. But that's a lot of that's one topic that people tend to debate on. You know, it's paranormal is ghosts, and then there's UFO and squatching. Now it's it's all pieced under one thing. Even the Loch Ness Monster is technically under the paranormal tag. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. It's definitely something we could do. I mean, I guess in Utah, the places that we'd have to go for Sasquatch would be in the high Uintas. From from what I know, because I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure anywhere deserty related, you know, you don't get a lot of Sasquatch sightings.
0: Which is also another great place to go UFO hunting as well. When I went camping last year up Soapstone Basin up in the uh, High Uintas, it was told to me that if you pay attention to the sky, you'll, you'll see UFOs up there. Uh, it's a common hotspot for UFO hunting, from my understanding, from people that are into that kind of thing. So now that you know a little bit about us, a little bit of about my team, the backgrounds that we come from and everything, Now we're going to go into what we expect from this podcast. Now, I kind of touched on a little bit at the beginning of this episode, but essentially, David and I want to sit down and we just want to talk about the paranormal. Like David said, he's been talking to himself when he's listening to other paranormal podcasts because he wants to inject some of his knowledge into there that would be beneficial. And for me, it's about... Getting our information out there, letting you know exactly what we experience on an actual investigation on a day-to-day basis, how I run my team, you know, the adventures that we go on, the issues that we come across, and so on and so forth. But we also don't want to bore you, so we're obviously going to be throwing in cases, we're going to be talking about uh, equipment, we're going to be talking about some controversial topics out in the paranormal field. One of them is paranormal unity and location harboring. Those are some of the topics that we are going to be discussing on this particular podcast and the shitty people in the paranormal field as well. That gives us a really bad name and some of the stuff that's happened even before I even started the paranormal that I've, I'm running across on a given day, you know what I mean? Now, both David and I are going to be talking about equipment. It'll just depend on the episode. I will be going over some of the cases that my team has done prior to David joining the team. He's more than welcome to inject some knowledge if he needs to while I'm talking. But primarily, we wanted to get some of the earlier stuff done and talk about how what I did back in the day is what we are implementing now and some of the improvements and, and stuff like that because you're learning in this field let's face it no one's a professional in this field and I might get some hate for that but I don't care who you are you know no one's a professional in this field no one is all-knowing in this field we are all learning and certain people learn different things than other people But I mainly want to talk about how we grew as a group in the paranormal field. Some of the unfortunate things that have happened to us. Some of the best things that have happened to us and everything in between. Which leads me into our first case that my group has done in the paranormal. So there's a community center here in Logan, Utah called the Whittier Center. And that place is fairly active. It's I would say it's pretty uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's uh Yeah. It's kinda like, you know, you go to the you go to a location numerous times and there's activity, it's just not the same activity. That's kind of the thing that we experience at the Whittier Center. Me personally, I've investigated that place at least five or six times. We've caught some of our best evidence from this particular location. First time ever catching a full body apparition on digital still. Uh, First time ever getting a spirit swearing at us telling us to fuck off or fuck you or shut up or something like that, you know. Just an FYI, I will be adding in EVP evidence periodically in this episode. Yeah. But the Whittier Center is, it's an active place. I mean, it originally started as a school. And then once they started building more schools, as Logan evolved and got bigger, uh, they turned it into a community center. Uh, you can host weddings there, quincearras. They also have ballroom dancing in there. You can do gymnastics in there, I do believe. It, it, there's a number of different things that you can do in that particular building. And they've done a really good job on preserving that building, keeping it up to date, making sure that it's up to code, and and that it's not a hazard to anybody that steps foot into that particular building. Now, on the paranormal aspect of it, it is very active. You can sit in the main foyer and just, just sit and listen, and you can just hear the echoes of children laughing and walking around and, you know. Which is the residual type of energy that resides in that particular location. But then there's the intelligent ones as well. The maintenance guy that's down in the basement, he hates me.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Every time I've gone down there, he's always swore at me. At one point in time, he slammed something down right next to me, and I about it myself. You know, threw out a couple more swear words, and jump up, and David's seen. How I get scared. I tend to either duck and fall to the ground or I scream and run, one of the two. It's quite comical once you catch it on camera. But the, Or hit
1: your head on various pipes throughout right?
0: your life. Oh, man. That was Which fun. is
1: funny because I'm the tall one and I almost never hit my head on anything. And
0: you're shorter than me and you always hit your head on stuff. Mm-hmm. Hell, I almost hit my head every time I walk into my own house.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true.
0: The main principle there, she she still sticks around, we've caught her on camera too. She's twirled around in front of my laser grid when I've had my camera there. Now this will be a throwback to the people that have been in this paranormal field for a long time remember those those uh, sony cameras that were infrared they were kind of gray bulky we've had we had two of those and we used those uh, up until we upgraded our equipment to those action cameras but those sony cameras were they were good they were just compared to action cameras it's like tunnel vision so I had it set up to a particular way with the laser grid and, I shit you not, something comes into the laser grid and it looks like a dress and it's twirling. Now we're not the only group that has experienced this type of activity there. There's been other paranormal groups that investigated the Whittier Center and they've actually caught, uh, I believe, at least a, a full body apparition or a half of a body of an apparition uh, in a red laser grid. That looked like the principal with the dress and the whole nine yards. <clears throat> Caught that on camera twice. Got the full body apparition on digital. Still a lot of EVPs. I mean... That's cool. It was definitely not set. It's a 10.55. And... <laughs> I don't have any...
1: Fresh. Oh. <laughs>
0: That's cool. It was definitely not set. It's a 10.55. And... <laughs> I don't have any. Crash! Ah! Hoot! That did not sound like that. Did you hear that? All I can hear is them talking. Yeah, the script line. It's underground. Ah! That did not sound like that. Do you hear that? All well, I can hear is them talking. Yes, sir. I thought you were going. Can you make another noise? Sounds like Can you make another noise? Sounds like whistling. Almost. That place was chuck full of EVPs, children. I've heard female, male, stuff like that. And each level has its own type of activity the basement you know the guy. D- the guy just doesn't want to be bothered he hates it when people go down there and investigate the children like to play in the auditorium and in the main entryway area the main area is where in one of the rooms off from the main area that's where we caught the picture of the full-body apparition upstairs is when I caught the principal twirling in the laser grid We've also caught some other EVPs up there as well. And then we've caught an anomaly. This anomaly was a little bit different. It looked like it morphed from the piano. And when I took the second picture, there was a perfect circle around an old investigator's head. I have those up on our website. You can go and check them out. We've also caught red anomalies in that location as well. I wouldn't say that there's any malicious entities there, there's just some entities that just don't want to be bothered, and some of them that want to be caught on camera. But it's a fairly active location, It's it was my go-to whenever I wanted to train new investigators, you know, dip their water into the paranormal, the Whittier Center was my go-to. Since we've been there, there's been some reshuffling of management, I believe the old director He got caught embezzling money or something like that and so they had to clamp down on certain things and so requirements to invest investigate that building has changed they used to just take donations we would all donate some money to it you know as a thank you for letting us you know investigate the building and that goes towards their expenses and everything like that now it's they're wanting like a deposit and you have to get on a list and the whole nine yards from my understanding so i haven't really looked into it then since you know, I've gathered so much evidence there that I haven't really needed to go back, but I feel like eventually here soon we should go back and do just one more hurrah investigation and see what type of evidence that we capture with the modern technology that we have now compared to when I first started this group, you know, seven, eight years ago.
1: Well, didn't um, someone in October just recently do an event there for the paranormal?
0: yeah it's the same group that's been doing it for the last couple years they always do a public event there every october it's the same group that used to do the haunted logan tour i do believe and when they first implemented that my group actually did the haunted logan tour for the first year and then after that it's always been the other team so yeah they they do get in there and they do the public investigations But primarily, we don't do the public thing. I mean, we help other groups. You know, if another group reaches out to us and like, hey, you want to co-sponsor or help with this public event that we're throwing on? be like, yeah, sure, why not? You know, but as my team, we don't really do public tours. We haven't hosted one outside of doing the Logan tour years ago before I even hired anybody else on my team that's currently on there now. This is with the old team back in the day. I'm not opposed to it, but some teams out there, they thrive on public tours, and I don't want my team to be labeled as that, you know, if I could do like one public tour a year, I guess I can, I, I could do that, you know, but an every month thing, that's just a no-go for me, because we have other things to do, you know, we have residential clients to to help out, and we have other locations that we would like to do without having to babysit, you know, 20, 30, 40 people in a building. You know what I mean? So, but it, it is an option that we could do it. But I, I kind of just want to do like a last hoorah there and see what type of evidence that we capture. Because I could tell you now, the amount of equipment that I have has tripled since I started my group. And David, his, his uh, list of equipment... Is probably a little bit more than me, to be quite honest with you. When in which you way, so, David?
1: In, in quantity or in dollars? Both. <laughs> yeah, I got a whole I got a whole closet just full of uh, of stuff, and I I've actually tried selling most of the some of the stuff that I don't use a lot. I mean, I have probably four different cameras, and you can just look at them from evolution from when I first started to now. You know, it's the smallest rinky-dink of cameras compared to my main camera I have now. And same with, like, lights. When we first started this, I had, like, the tiniest IR light, and now I have a nice, good custom light that we get from uh, Ghost Lights.
0: Yeah, and there's been some expensive ones that you've purchased, and there's been the the more on the affordable side that you've purchased as well. But we tried to mix it up. You know, Dave has got... Certain equipment that I that he has and I have certain equipment that I have and we Some of the stuff we have the same But he has some stuff that we don't have and then I have stuff that he doesn't have and it it tends to complement each other You know, especially when we go to a location. It's like okay So we can use your period your pyramid and then we can use my footstep tracker You know yada 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 that that's kind of how it works on our team anyway because me and David are primarily the ones that have the equipment. Some of our other investigators do have other pieces of equipment. Like Rebecca has a Mill and an SB7 and a few others. And Alyssa's got a K2, but she's slowly building up her, her, her equipment list as well. Once she has the money to do so. But that's another thing. That's another topic for another day. But this this line of work is not cheap. It's never going to be cheap. So, you have to fork up some serious coin to afford some of this equipment, like a $1,200 SLS camera, for example. But it's definitely needed.
1: That's the one I have, but there's obviously other uh, ways you can do it. Because there's people that build their own, and there are people that are building different ones that are actually cheaper. I just went, I just, I knew what I wanted specifically, so I went for for that one because yeah. i think you're you're talking about getting one that's uh hand built by someone and it's a lot cheaper than mine
0: yeah but essentially when you bought your sls there wasn't really much of an option out on the market besides that one i mean i think there was one group out of uk out of the uk or australia that were building them for like 350 400 yeah. nowadays you know we even have some more locally common. that builds them you know and they're only like yeah. 250 300 bucks
1: well the first one we did before i bought my expensive one was i actually had a connect from an xbox that i gave to you and you hooked it up to your computer and Mm -hmm. ran a program so that was like the very first one before i even bought my sls that's more mobile
0: yeah because we wanted to test it out and david had the 360 connect camera and the old school the first, I believe it was like the first-generation Connect cameras. They were USB-based, so you could just plug them into the computer, and then you can run the program and do it that way. And that's how we originally did it. I built a stand and everything for it. David donated the Connect camera and the tripod for it. And we essentially we set it up that way. We had a laptop that I bought, and we connected it all that way. And, and, it, and it worked out good. I mean, it, it caught some evidence. I mean, it had the loudest... Uh onboard fan on it yeah that that fan was god awfully loud so (laughs) trying to get any audio evidence from that was not going to happen but the visual effects were there and it worked and then when david got his you know the og sls camera that was obviously more mobile and we can walk around and do other things instead of having to babysit the home built one we still have that connect camera and the and the platform and the laptop and everything and i can easily bring it and use it on an investigation if we ever want to. But it's a good, it was a good test run of it and we knew that we wanted it.
1: Well, um, uh, all we really need is just to get a, uh, a cheap tablet and just get the same program on it and then you already got the connect, then we can have two. Maybe get one that has a tripod stand instead of mine where mine's you can really only use it mobile, but yours you can put in a specific spot.
0: Yeah, I also like that horseshoe mount, though.
1: Oh, yeah, the the U-shaped camera stand. Yeah,
0: I kind of like how that one locally, the one that she does locally, I like how she built it out of that. I think that's more user-friendly in regards to, like, weight and everything and how you can hold it, Uh, which I don't mind the pistol grip on yours. I mean, it's not bad, but I think the using the horseshoe mount thing would be a lot easier. Now, the, the one that I'm talking about is, uh, a lot of people use it for cameras, where you can mount the camera on the bottom, and it's it, it's basically a U-shape, it's got some feet on it, and then you can mount your lights on top and everything. That's how she built the connect camera, in that way, with the power bank and the whole nine yards, and, and it seems to work out very, very well. I haven't heard any bad things about it, but that's something that I wouldn't mind purchasing down the road, because essentially... You know yes you have your big names out there that make these products but it's also good to support some of the other paranormal teams out there that are building equipment as well because some of the equipment that I've bought from other teams have worked out really well aka Ghostlight. Ghostlight is one of our sponsors for my group and they make one of the best lights out on the market in regards to the paranormal. He's so known that major movie corporations have reached out and had him build lights for them so police
1: department uh has contacted them for security lights and stuff Mm -hmm.
0: so he's become very successful that's all we ever use on our investigations are his lights because they're essentially they're the best ones out there in the field but that's that's a equipment that we can talk about another day because we could spend at least a half an hour just talking about his lights, cause his lights are very well built.
1: Yeah, they are. They are the best for sure. I wouldn't use anything else anymore after mm-hmm. that. I, yeah, I don't. I don't know literally anything else that can compare.
0: And we've used different brands of lights before. I've even built my own lights, and his lights—they just blow them out of the water. You know, we're talking about. You know, Phantom Light, we're talking about the lights that come from Ghost Stop. Even some of the older ones, I can't remember the brand of those IR and UV lights that I had. But, you know, they, they were good at the time when I got them. But now, obviously, we just we just don't use anybody else's except for his. Because his is by far the best. And the other people in the paranormal that have purchased his lights have said the same thing. That they're the best. Yeah, so. I've
1: never heard anyone complain that has gotten his lights ever. Exactly. you complain? He can do custom stuff. He'll go. He'll like. He'll talk to you and be like, "Well, what were you looking for?" And you know, he he works with you, so he's a really nice guy, and he's always extremely busy doing this stuff. Like he has orders constantly. Of how people want to do more custom stuff, and then if he likes it enough, he'll roll it out and make it available for everyone.
0: Yeah, because that's essentially what we did was we reached out to him and pretty much gave him a a sketch of what we were looking for and he met it and, and exceeded it and then he implemented it into his own store and some of the newer stuff that he has especially for action cameras where you know most action cameras do 170 degrees of viewing angle and it didn't make much sense to have a light that basically shot forward you needed light to illuminate the whole entire room and so that's what he created was one that did 170 degrees of viewing angle, 160, 170 degrees, which end up being like one of the best purchases that you could ever get if you're running an action camera doing paranormal investigating. Because if you ever, if you ever take an action camera, and you set up in a room, you set up just a regular IR light. What are you going to get? You're going to get tunnel vision because it's only shooting that light straight.
1: Yeah. So what, what you're getting is you, you can see forward, but on the side, it's all black. Mm-hmm. so with his new design where he comes it out it's basically light trying to bounce off uh, walls and stuff and it makes you know the sides light up so pretty much your entire screen you're it's at
0: least lit up yep exactly so that's one of the lights that he's created and we'll go into depth on another episode on some of the other lights that he's created some of the ones that we have that we've purchased from him and some of the, the lights that work with certain pieces of equipment particularly in you know, the 170 degree view and 360, you know, stuff like that. But that's going to do it for our first episode. I want to thank you for tuning in and listening in. Now, this is going to be a, a learning curve for us. And so we, the only thing that we ask is for your patience. Now, obviously, I, we're not new to this. We've been on other podcast before but actually hosting our own podcast that's a different story you know it's it's a lot different when someone's asking you a bunch of questions and you're talking into a microphone versus you know talking about yourself and and everything else so it's definitely a learning curve but we definitely appreciate you tuning in and listening into our podcast and more episodes are to come we're still trying to figure out our posting schedule and everything, so we will update you guys uh, once we get that finalized and everything, so that way you guys can tune in on a consistent basis to listen to our podcast. David, did you want to say anything before we depart? Um.
1: Well, so how can they find, not only, obviously they found this podcast, but... Uh we have any other outlets that may it may be on or is this primarily on facebook we have like a facebook page for this and everything for this
0: that is an excellent question david so we are currently working on our facebook page and our group page we're going to have a separate facebook page from bear river paranormal it's going to be called bear river paranormal podcast brp podcast then we're also going to have a side group on top of that where you guys, the fans, can request to be added into the group. We do have rules. It has to be paranormal related and no spam. And please, don't be a dick. We're all in this together. We all want to research this together. We don't need any name calling. We don't need any controversy or fake stuff being posted in the group. So, the way that we're going to have it set up is we'd like to ask you questions or if you have questions for us you can go to our group and ask us those questions posts are going to be they're going to be screened first so if you have a question and everything or if you're wanting to post something it is going to be pre-screened before we allow the post to happen so that way we can not have any issues moving forward but you'll be able to find us on facebook we are working on getting us onto a platform we're going to try to be on all major platforms for podcasting just have to work on that and everything so all of our updates are going to go on to facebook and our group page and then we also are going to be posting up on instagram and on twitter now on instagram and twitter we're just going to use the Bear river paranormal accounts we're not going to create a separate account for that so you can get your updates there as well on top of any other paranormal content that, that you'd wish to see like questions on a post stuff like that and once we get everything finalized and we're able to cross post on all major platforms for podcasting, uh, everything will be updated and you guys will know where to find us. Most websites like Spotify, Apple, Google, stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Well, and hopefully people that are listening to this enjoyed it. I would hate for just to have me and Shane just be talking to ourselves and You know, hopefully, this was somewhat entertaining for you guys. And down the road, when we delve deeper into more stuff, it becomes better for you guys to listen to. And just hopefully, everyone enjoys it. And then maybe we can get, you know, your requests on our group thing of what you'd hear from us or give us topic ideas to talk about. So we're not just sitting here wondering what to talk about on an episode to episode
0: basis. Yeah, definitely. Because essentially, we want to entertain you guys as our fans and our listeners we definitely want to entertain you so we will have a separate moderator for the group page that will be issuing out questions asking questions or requesting questions from you guys so that way we can address them on the on the show or if you have any questions that need to be addressed personally you can always contact us via messaging or email and we can definitely accommodate that way as well but like what David said, we definitely want to make this entertaining for you. These next few episodes are gonna be kind of a little rough. I'm not gonna lie. I'll, I'd rather be transparent with you than, than to lie to your face. Um, this is it's gonna be a little bit rough. There's gonna be a little bit more editing you know to make this smooth and everything. but once we get the swing and things and we get with the flow, everything's gonna be a lot easier. And then you get to hear some of the more in-depth stories and some of the scary things that have happened to us. And some of the gut-wrenching, make-your-eyes-water type situations that we've also experienced as well. But thank you so much for listening. Tune in for the next episode. We will post when the next episode will be coming out. And we're going to try to keep it on a consistent schedule so that way you guys can tune in on the same day of the week. Try it at the same time anyway. So that way you can get your paranormal fix from us. But this is BRP Podcast, and you have a great rest of your day. See ya. You are listening to the Bear River Paranormal Podcast, BRP Podcast. If you or you know of someone who is having issues with an entity or a possible haunting, please send us an email, text, or call. You can find all of our information at www.bearriverparanormal.com. We work 24-7 so we can resolve your paranormal issues quickly and as conveniently as possible. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Bear River Paranormal Podcast. Toss us a rating or a review. You can also find us on Facebook at Podcast. If you are interested in sponsoring us, please send us a message. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you for listening, and have a great rest of your day.